Good afternoon, good morning, or good evening, and welcome to the American Age Podcast. This is your host, C. Travis Webb, and I am speaking to you from Southern California. Hello, um, my name is Stephen G. Fullwood. I'm the co-founder of the Nomadic Archivist Project. I'm coming to you from Harlem. It's about 50 degrees out, a little misty. We're expecting some rain. Um, and it's a wonderful day to get high. Sit around and just get high. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, my name is Seth Rodney. I am a senior editor at the Hyperallergic magazine and a recent author of a book on the personalization of the museum visit. And I'm coming to you from the South Bronx, as I often do. This is to remind our listeners that we like to perform a, uh, what we call intellectual intimacy, which is giving ourselves the space and time to figure out things out loud and together. Uh, and uh, it's a new year, and we're picking up on our. We had our last uh, episode was on unlucky days, um, and we're picking up on our conversation we started a couple weeks ago on they, the pronoun usage. Um, and today we thought we would explore it from the angle of sort of what are the alternatives? So if, 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 uh, they is causes such a row and makes people so uncomfortable, what exactly, how exactly are we to deal with, uh, people, human beings in our midst who do not clearly for a variety of reasons, identify very easily with men, with being a man or a woman, um, you know, what, what other ways are there to handle that, uh, if there are any other ways to handle that? So, Seth, I think you had introduced the topic. Actually, I, and now that you're talking about it, I recall something I just dealt with yesterday, which has something to do with this. Basically, I had to fill out, or no, not fill out, I had to watch and participate in a kind of video training session for all, quote-unquote, New York supervisors. I have... I had gotten notice about this training session through work. Hyperallergic, uh, um, well, Vegan, um, the, the person who runs the publishing side of Hyperallergic came to me and said, you have a training session due and they arrange all these things through this, this platform called Just Works. Mm-hmm. Went on Just Works. And frankly, I was actually a couple months late with getting this done because they just kept forgetting about it. But basically, I had to go through the sexual harassment uh, training, Mm -hmm. basically telling me how New York state law and federal law deal with uh, harassment in the workplace and what my obligations are being a supervisor, being someone who uh, observes uh, what might be considered harassment, la, 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 like all of the sort of permutations around that, right? So, Mm -hmm. So legal, social sort of what my responsibilities are with regard to harassment and bullying in the workplace. So one of the things that I encountered was a section in the training, and the training goes on for about, I don't know, an hour, an hour, an hour and a half maybe. Um, one of the sections has to deal with gender and uh, harassment or um, discrimination based on gender. And mm-hmm. there's a sort of subsection which deals with how we should address each other in a way that doesn't presume gender, especially with folks who are non-binary or present as being trans. Okay. So one of the things that that um 
that was suggested to me was that instead of saying, and this was the, the actual example that I remember, was instead of saying that woman over there in the blue, I should use gender neutral terms like that person over there in the blue. And mm. I thought to myself, wait, that doesn't make sense. What if there are two women over there wearing blue? Like what, like, or, or a woman and a man over there wearing blue? Like, yeah. like that, right? So there are ways in which the sort of quest for neutrality, um, doesn't necessarily end up making practical sense in certain situations. But the alternative, I thought, might be not saying, I mean, you, it doesn't have to be person. You don't have to, I, I don't know. I mean, I, maybe, maybe I'm, maybe I'm barking up the wrong tree, but I remember thinking that language isn't flexible enough yet for us to, yet. right, mm-hmm. yet. But we're trying to, I, I think some of us in, are making a good faith effort to get there. So I looked up a couple of alternatives to they, the pronoun, right? And what I've, and what I've heard before, which I really liked, was Z, as in X-E. Have you guys mm-hmm. heard this? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No. I've, yeah I've I kind of mm-hmm. like that. Like Z, well, there's also Z, Z as in Z-E. Mm-hmm. Um which it sounds like they may be borrowing from another, maybe it may be borrowed from another language. I kind of like the idea of Z because it's just, it, it, I, I know, I guess it sounds different enough that. And so in the, so the proposal would be that mm-hmm. Z or they or whatever mm-hmm. as a pronoun gets ubiquitous usage to refer to all humans or are we talking about applying Mm-hmm. the pronoun to those people that are non-binary. That's the thing is that I would kind of advocate for applying to everyone so that mm. so that the basis is we're not going to make assumptions about what gender you mm-hmm. are because what we're doing essentially is we're saying I don't know that until you tell me how you identify. Right. Mm-hmm. I just the I my my thing with that is that it's so far from most people's actual experience. Mm. I mean, w- you know, their entire I mean, teachers get trained on how to handle boys in the classroom versus handling girls mm. in the classroom. Like mm. gender does inform the identity for most people, not all people. And and when you get a sufficient number of people living in a community, a lot of them, right? So, I mean, there's you know 300 million people in the United States. There are a lot of people that are non-binary in there that should be accommodated and should have the same um, uh, recognitions. And, and, and I would also advocate for even the right to be referred to in a different way. I'm fine with that. I have zero issue with that. Um, but if we universalize it, I feel like what we end up doing is alienating most people mm. because most people do strongly identify with their gender. Mm. Well, let's talk, let's take that apart a bit. Mm. When people identify with the gender part of it, this is largely a social construct in the sense that we are, it's reinforced right through when we were kids. There was a woman on mm-hmm. the radio this morning, I think it was NPR, and she was a woman who was looking at, the ways in which we're even dressed as kids, like pink mm-hmm. versus blue, right? Mm-hmm. And that she would watch, she says, if you just want to go to some sort of superficial look at how gender works in our culture, let's look at our clothes, you know? And I also go to the language of it. 
and I, the reason why I bring up the language is that had somebody been encouraged to or allowed to choose a gender when they were a child, who knows where the majority of people would be today? Mm-hmm. They they wouldn't, but they wouldn't be they wouldn't be Z's. We like, don't know they, what they would be. We do though. We do know that we do know that that we do know that chromosomal sex strongly influences identity. We absolutely do know that. Now we don't know that it, it it's it's not it, determined. But if they identify with it, right? But how they identify with that, because gender identity isn't um, equal to biological. De- it's not biologically determined. It it's, is a it's construct. It's not, but it... Right. It, it, okay, it's not a full construct. It is not... that. That is a misnomer. It's not as if you have a blank slate and patriarchy just designed this narrative. That's not what actually happens. There are common traits all along the evolutionary ladder for, for sexed male, sexed female animals. And we are animals. Now, we may be particularly creative, imaginative animals. We may be able to relate to ourselves in very unique ways. Mm-hmm. I'm all I'm with you on that entirely. But the notion that there is somehow a tabula rasa that we can just write upon our identities, mm-hmm. I think is disproven by history and and by anecdotal personal experience. I think if it's disproven by history, it's not a fair look at history because we are conditioned to say that we are girls or boys. We've never had a time in history like this before where people were just encouraged to think about their gender expression differently. This is very new. Unless there's a part that I don't know about, and I'm, I don't know a lot of things, well, so maybe I'm wrong. But well, I'm, tes- testosterone, for example, testosterone makes you more aggressive. But it doesn't. Period. But aggressiveness is not male. It's a quality. <laughs> no, no, no. But males tend to have more testosterone, so therefore they tend to be more aggressive. That doesn't mean that w- there aren't women with high testosterone. No, levels. absolutely, absolutely. I'm not disagreeing with any of the biological stuff. I'm talking about someone thinking or feeling like I don't belong in this body, or the gender expression which I was born as the cisgender. Does I don't identify with that. We're and not we encur- make, we're not encouraged yeah. to think that way. So we don't really know what the numbers are. We only know that people who I've identified as non-binary. And that's in a maybe teenager to an adult or what have you. That's very new. That's very new. And there's a social space for that now. That's the only thing I'm arguing sure. is that there's a different space for that. Sure. So if we had some arbitrary number like 5% of people, mm-hmm. this is totally arbitrary, uh-huh. currently identify as non-binary. Right. I'm with you up to the point that like maybe if we did this, 10% of people would then be able to identify with non-binary. But the idea that our species is going to diverge so strongly from our evolutionary history that the majority of mm-hmm. sexed male, sexed female mm-hmm. are going to somehow have mm-hmm. free gender play, I just think is not grounded in in reality. I just don't. I don't. Th- I, I'd have and to I think also- about it because I'm not, that's not necessarily where I'm going. I'm saying that okay. I don't know what the numbers would look like. Okay, me either. Yeah, I don't Do you know, know either. I mean, I yeah, yeah, yeah. I, and I don't know if it's so determined. I don't know. And I think, so, personal anecdote, when I was younger, I was much more effeminate. And that was beaten out of me from my father, right? Mm. You know, you act like a boy. Mm. You do yeah, boy yeah, things, yeah, yeah. right? Mm. Yeah. And I remember thinking that um, 
In addition to that antidote, very briefly, and I might have said this on the last podcast, so I'm totally sorry. The film is called In a Perfect World. And I saw it mm. maybe about a month ago now. and Oh, I saw it in December, rather. And so this is a woman who decided, Daphne McWilliams, this, the filmmaker, decided to do a film about men who grew up without fathers. And that mm. her son was growing up without his father. And so it was like a story within a story within a story. And so she was talking to these these men who either had troublesome relationships with their biological fathers or didn't know them at all. And almost every one of them were like, you know, I guess I'm sensitive because there was no male in the house. <laughs> and mm-hmm. I was thinking, wow, I, I don't know if that's an equation I'd agree with because mm-hmm. I know aggressive women, I know sensitive men. And I felt mm-hmm. like that, 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 that paradigm was really um, like questionable mm-hmm. at the very least. Right. I grew up in a two parent household. My father's pretty masculine man um, in terms of like, you know, just a stereotypical masculine man. But I feel like had I'd grown up and allowed my had been allowed to be more of who I was imagining myself to be at that point, because I didn't see anything Mm. wrong with. I just thought, you know, this is fun. I'm just having Mm. a good time and I'm expressing myself way too much for my dad (laughs) Um, Mm. for his comfort level, which will be rationalized with him later on. He would, I just didn't want you to be hurt, that kind of thing. Mm. So it was a a protective armor. So Mm. I am still pulling apart what my gender um, experience has been and rethinking Mm. it with different tools now, rather than just being angry at my dad, you know, Mm. but more like this is a world in which he was told to be, you know, and act, and, and therefore he was male, and mm-hmm. males act like this. Mm-hmm. And it's still, even mm-hmm. today, we're still doing this. I mean, it doesn't matter if you're queer or not, or non-gender, I mean, it does matter if you're non-gender bi- binary, mm-hmm. but, but yes, these, 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 these structures and these ideas are still, have a lot of currency in our culture. Sure. Yeah, sure. I, I have a response, but Seth hasn't said anything for a while, so I've been... So it'll be nice and let Seth talk. <laughs> so, why don't you talk, Seth? <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Uh, yeah, I typically don't have trouble talking, but I really enjoyed the back and forth between you two. Me too. This. I was trying um, to learn something from Travis. Yeah, well, you know, <laughs> I actually, speaking of that, um, speaking of learning something, I just was in Baltimore yesterday mm-hmm. visiting the BMA, and part of my adventure took me through the Generation show. Generation something, something abstract, black artist, something. Ge- mm-hmm. Sorry, I, I have it. I have the, um, the thing in front of me, actually. Generations, a history of black abstract art. Oh, okay. they're, they're in the, in a section of the show, there's a caption from Melvin Edwards, um, or mm-hmm, about mm-hmm. that caption displaying a, con- uh, 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 some text, uh, um, from Mel, from Mel, Melvin Edwards. He basically mm-hmm. relates the story of Chad having a conversation with Norman Lewis, who's okay. an artist, black artist from the previous generation. And he said, right. Yes, they were chatting. And at some point, Norman Lewis just got really fed up with him and said, well, just shut up, man. Like you can't learn anything when your mouth is open. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> And, wow. and so I, I was just How thinking. How south is that? That feels yeah, so southern. Right? <laughs> right? Um, I think that when we started off the podcast this time, we were trying to come up with alternatives today. I think what I'm finding from listening 
learning from you both with my mouth closed, is that part of the difficulty with alternatives today is that we have part we have real difficulty, ideological difficulty with alternatives to the man woman binary. I mean, mm-hmm. that's that's the foundational mm-hmm. difficulty, right? And and wait, wait, wait. And I want to say that 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 binary is actually rooted in something that is very real world like that mm-hmm. those different those hormonal mm-hmm. and uh what's the word um i want to say equipment differences uh uh have a lot to do with that sense that we belong in this box we belong in this place called male and we belong in this place called female mhm so I think what's what's happening now is we're really, and I think we're doing it in other ways. Human beings are now we're running up against the sort of limitations of our biology, and we're saying that actually it doesn't define us, and it and and it and biology doesn't. But there is there are really important correlations, mm-hmm. correlations to the ways that we behave with each other. So I think that even maybe maybe part of the problem with is not actually the maybe the problem isn't even linguistic. Maybe it's not about like finding alternatives to he or she. Mm. Maybe it's more just foundational, like finding alternatives to I don't know. I don't know what. I'm running out of I don't so, know how to say it. That's really interesting. Yeah. Mm. I'm sorry. Yeah, so no no no, I was good. so I I I was gonna say I, I that was it's helpful. Um I, I do think that the the issue is is deeper than linguistic is probably not exactly what I mean because language is so tightly bound up with our identities. But mm-hmm. but I I, I want to say that I, I feel like there are two competing and clashing issues which cause me to handle the issue in a somewhat ham-fisted way, mm-hmm. which is that, uh, A, um, I absolutely believe that our culture is... Um, really represents a highly constrained form of of masculinity as the norm, and yes. and that that constrained form of masculinity sets the board for all of the other varieties of, of ways we can relate to ourselves. Agreed. And I am to- I'm totally opposed to that. Agreed. And feel like it is debilitating, uh, physically, psychologically, mm-hmm. spiritually, all the rest of it. So I I'm absolutely opposed to that. At the same time. I feel like because of that cultural constraint, our imaginations for dealing with the constraint tend to be set by the constraint. And Absolutely. So, and so hmm. our our attempt to deal with our biology, mm-hmm. which I would – and I know it's just a difference of definition, which I would say actually does define us, i.e. define as in a border we are born and we, and we die mm-hmm. and we have mm-hmm. and, we, and we age. So I literally think our biology is our definition, um, but that there's a tremendous amount that can be done within that border, right? right? I mean right. – I mean, that's the whole show within right. that border. Right. And so because because the people who are thinking about, including ourselves, have been conditioned by a highly constrained culture, our our answers to that constraint tend to themselves be 
highly constrained. Right. And so it, it seems like it's such a, a like, a, to me, it feels like such an overplay to say we should scrap gender as a, a, a method of address when we have so many cultures that predate us that had no problem dealing with non-binary people. They, it's not they didn't just show up, right? right. I mean, absolutely. The, the shaman tradition, the shaman tradition is has a lot to do with gender play and mm-hmm. cross-dressing, and many religious holidays are organized around. I mean, so this didn't just arrive. It's right. just that we are such a material culture, and we. We want to deal with this issue in a in a very flat materialistic way, and mm-hmm. I have a hard time talking about those competing um, desires. So when to you say, say flat, sorry, sorry, Stephen, quick question: When you say mm-hmm. flat materialistic way, you mean like by having like signs on bathrooms that say gender neutral? Yeah, like I, I mean, I'm actually fine with that, but yes, that's a good example of that. Mm-hmm. Like, and the fact that that would prick us so much. Like, my, I was, it was at right. the, uh, I was, Agreed. I was at the doctor's office with my parents, and my mom, who doesn't like care about stuff like that at all, but she saw a general neutral sign and she was like, "Oh, look at that!" I was like, "Who can't? Like, right. they should literally all be gender neutral, by the way, right? Like, <laughs> which is the bathroom all... in your house, right? Yeah, gender neutral. That's right. Yes, that's right. Yeah, right, right, but." The thing is, so I love the idea of um, what you brought up, Travis, about this idea of scrapping the whole enterprise. Not My mind isn't thinking about the scrapping of it. It's the examination of it and seeing how useful mm-hmm. it is. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking if we're talking about a freedom project, everything is under review. Mm-hmm. Everything's on the table, which should be. Mm-hmm. And then to really look at it, to look to see what what the history looks like and how that history was created, you mm-hmm. know, and what and what's useful about it and what's not useful about it at this moment. Mm-hmm. That's kind of where I stand with gender expression. I want more of this stuff because I feel like we're actually possibly gaining more of ourselves mm-hmm. in this mm-hmm. space. But I completely agree with you that our imaginations are... Are, are clipped, um, reduced mm-hmm. because of the language and because of how we're dealing with this. But well, this well, is the way you break through it. I think you break through these yeah. constraints yeah. Well, well, with, uh, with these um, radical or with seemingly radical ways of um, engagement. You know. Well, mm-hmm. well I want to disagree slightly, Stephen, just just slightly mm-hmm. with what you just said. In that, I don't think we're being constrained by the language. I think. The, the point that Travis was making earlier was that we're constrained by our culture. Like we grow up in a culture okay. where basically it's, it's, it's all weighted towards being a certain, presenting a certain kind of masculine energy. Yes. That is the, that mm-hmm. is the like, mm-hmm. what is, yes. what do they call that when you're graphing something? Um, and you see the like, origin point. Yeah. The origin point uh-huh. of our culture mm-hmm. is like, Basically, I mean, I mean, I don't have to say this to you guys. You guys know this, but I'm going to say it for the benefit of our listeners that, like, if you look at just, just look at commercials, just look at mm-hmm. like what is presented as like the valid human being to be oh, in our absolutely. culture. Mm-hmm. It's always the yeah, person who's like, um, kind of, uh, in charge, right? The person who mm-hmm. like, Put people, tell people what, what to do, the leader, right? And when you say, like, remember mm-hmm. when we had that conversation about who looks presidential? Like, basically, yes. what, oh, we, yeah, what yeah, we came yeah, up yes. with was like the person right. who looks like a white man or acts like a white man. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. right. Basically. Yeah. Um, and, mm-hmm. I, and, and, and in fact, I, 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 rec- I just recall this because I'm, and I think I re- it came into my head because I'm supposed to go to Jenny's house later today for a wassail uh, celebration. 
I went to a friend of mine's class. She teaches a philosophy class at SUNY Purchase. This was like okay. two or three years ago. Um, and uh, in Jenny's class, there were a few students. I won't say her surname, but in Jenny's class, there were a, a, a few students who were running through this thought experiment about basically sharing responsibility and leadership and how that mm-hmm, would break mm-hmm. down in this particular scenario. Mm-hmm. And there was a kid there. I'm saying kid because, well, I probably shouldn't say that, but a young man who was um, mm-hmm. uh, big-ish. Like, he seemed like he was, like, he, he came from farmer stock. Like, he was, in, mm-hmm. like, <laughs> probably, like, six foot, um, mm-hmm. probably weighed close to 200 pounds, um, and, and it was very sort of, I think the way he spoke about himself, he felt very sort of like comfortable being that size in the world, right? Mm-hmm. And he said, we, there would, it was like some sort of, you know, state of nature scenario. And he said something like, well, you know, in this, in this situation, like it might be that the person who it, it rightfully becomes the leader is the some you know person who can like you know shoot better the person who can you know um, uh, you know dig a ditch or whatever the, the whatever it was and the, and a smaller kid the kind of the kind of person I would identify with the nerdy mm-hmm. one um, skinny glasses mm-hmm. um, he uh, he said yeah but then you're not thinking about like the person who might be able to tell you what direction to go to find water. Uh, uh, great response. Right. Yeah. You're mm-hmm. not thinking yeah, about the person response. who might tell you like, uh, 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 what mushrooms are, are the right ones to eat. You know, that, mm-hmm. so there's intellectual leader. Basically he, ba- he just made the point that there's a kind of intellectual leadership and there's a kind of physical leadership of physical prowess. Yeah. And, so, and America, I should say, U.S. American culture, or almost always, there is on the side of physical prowess, or uh, or even intellectual prowess, but mostly physical prowess, being the being the one criterion that designates a leader, right? Like the person yeah. who is able to like um, basically bully other people into doing things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And 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 that right, you're rightly pointing out, Stephen, is too associated with being a man, and too much associated with masculinity, and clearly, like it's, it's fucking all of us up. Yeah, <laughs> and for so, sure. And so That's, the gender yeah. thing yes. is is, is it, mm-hmm. like this conversation about gender and about finding ways to like basically call ourselves different things is, I think, a way to try to get at that problem. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The uh, a quick uh, just uh, e.g. Uh, example for for what you just said, Seth. So in I know at least in Lakota Native American Lakota cultures mm-hmm. that it was definitely not the case that the best warrior was the chief, mm-hmm. like at mm-hmm. all. I mm-hmm. mean their their criteria for being because you know chiefs don't really have in in tribal societies they don't have like they can't govern by fiat. Like mm-hmm, mm-hmm. if if the chief of the like the the tribe says, "Hey, uh, go do this," and they don't want to do it, they just don't do it. They move. They just leave. Like mm-hmm, they don't. Mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm. not. They don't have that kind of power. Mm-hmm. And so for them, I mean, this is a very loose confederation. And in that loose confederation, 
what, at least in their rhetoric. Now, in practice, I'm sure politics happen mm-hmm. for the Lakota just like it happens for all other peoples. Mm-hmm. But at least in their rhetoric about the criteria they would use to choose a good leader, it didn't have anything to do with being a great war leader. Like, mm-hmm. it, had to, it had to do with wisdom. And mm-hmm, that, that, mm-hmm. That's sort of like w- which direction to go to look for water. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and, and I think you fingered it exactly, both you and Stephen, that, that, that our masculine mold in in america maybe it wasn't always that i'm not sure it was always that when you think of like people like jefferson and adams and i mean kind of bracketing the slave portion of it right i mean which i'm not saying should be bracketed in all contexts but in what we what we idolize about those figures if even when we're whitewashing them is their their intellectual ambition and their intellectual prowess some, mm-hmm. but there's always been a tension in America between this physicality that you identify. This, like, mm-hmm. you know, George George Bush on the aircraft carrier. Yeah, and, oh god, um, the mission accomplished and, bullshit. Yeah, and and the one time that Republicans were okay with Obama was when he killed Osama bin Laden. Right, right. right? I mean, that was that was it. Like that was literally the only good thing mm-hmm. he did in his entire presidency, as so, far as they're concerned. So, no, no, no. Yes, oh, exactly. Yeah, yeah, from course. from their mm-hmm. point of view, yeah. So yes, yeah, so I think that's. Yeah, anyway, I just wanted to echo what you were saying in a different way. I think that's exactly right. I think both of you fingered it. So maybe what we're doing, what we're really talking about is is a moment of crisis, right? Like this, like, yeah. like this, yeah. like we've come yeah. to crisis. And one of the ways that we're trying to figure it out is by changing our language around behavior around right, mm-hmm. people who identify as non-binary because in some ways they point to this sort of, this sort of, what the, what what the crisis means to us what the crisis means to us and how we deal with not just difference but also evolution and yes i will say evolution because i think that we're trying to move somewhere where we're trying to accommodate more people in the room agree mm. and that the door is still very hard to move mm. and the windows kind of closed and we're still mm. like no this is all the people that get fit in the room and it's like mm-hmm. no, no we haven't even tried yeah. we haven't even yeah. tried agreed yeah agreed. you know so. it's it's actually a great segue to our next topic on the next episode which steven's going to take some of the lead on we uh, we've kind of touched on we had a conversation in new york a couple months ago around this issue when we were talking about doing this as a topic for the podcast mm-hmm. and um steven had a really kind of for me opened up because i was i was much more um uh, skeptical of mm-hmm. the pronoun uh, movement, if we can call, I don't know if it's a movement, but the 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 pronoun, the practice of of alternative pronouns, and Stephen had a point that kind of opened it up for me, and I think Seth a little bit as well. So, um, I think that's probably a good segue to to that next conversation. If if you guys want to wrap up there, yep, sounds good. Yep. Yeah. Okay. All right. See you next Thank time. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. Thank you as always. Take care.